welcome back. Uh, last week we started our series Disciple Now. And this is really something that's geared more specifically towards men. Of course, there's always crossover and things like that. But it's uh, a lot of uh, using as a resource. There's a book called Disciplines of a Godly Man by R. Kent Hughes. And uh, it's a great book. And maybe after we get through this series on um, discipline now, it might be a good idea to go back and read that book and kind of reinforce things for yourself. Uh, I'm talking about a lot of the things that aren't in the book, and the book talks about a lot of things that I'm not talking about. So I would uh, definitely uh, suggest go back and read it when we're finished with this. But we left last week with a challenge to define what it means to be a godly man and practice godly discipline, and then find something you are willing and able to practice as a discipline in your life, something uh, something you know, easy, simple enough that you're willing to do it. Because you, if we make some grandiose plan, but we never follow through with it, it's kind of a pointless plan. And I hope you did follow through on that and found something to do to discipline yourself and define what it means to be a godly man. And I said last week we would be speaking specifically about different areas that require godly discipline. And uh, we're going to start into that this week, of course. I've been watching a channel lately on YouTube called Mustard, and it has nothing to do with the condiment. It's kind of like a bunch of documentaries about things that cost a lot of money and time, but ultimately failed. Pretty exciting stuff, um, military projects and aircraft and things like that. But I opened my laptop the other day, and in the very first spot, as you uh, you know, if you hop on YouTube and you're a, a YouTube person like I am, when you it has a lot of suggested videos for you and it lines them up in a neat little order for you. But in the very first spot, when I opened the my laptop, there was a box for a video advertising NSFW photos. And you probably already know what NSFW means. It means not safe for work which is another way of saying you don't want a coworker to wander up behind you and see that whatever those photos are on your screen. But the reality is, is they're not safe for work or home or anywhere for that matter. And today in our series, Discipline Now, we're talking about the discipline of purity in a porn-saturated culture. And to define discipline in a way that we could action it, understand it, we're defining discipline as discipline is sacrificing right now so as to bring benefit to yourself and others later. And I scheduled a live stream last week, and when I do, it automatically posts to different social media channels. And my friend David called me up right after I posted it and said that he saw the post for the live stream in his social media feed. And then right below it, there was a post urging him to join a website because there were Slavic women who wanted to meet him. Apparently, all you have to do is sign up and then they write to you and send you pictures, etc. But that's just another example of my own experience and the experience of many. It seems like I can't scroll through Instagram or open my email without something trying to incite lust and draw me into consuming porn. It's everywhere. Culture is saturated with it. It is a tremendous problem. And it's very difficult to find stats that agree. And I don't even know how you would track such things. But I did find 
some things are a few years old and uh, things have definitely picked up since then. But from what I read, it seemed that at least 30% of internet traffic is pornographic material. And if you imagine how much information travels on the internet, that's, that's a mind boggling amount of porn. And at least 70% of men and 30% of women consume pornography. And like I said, those numbers are a few years old and they are increasing rapidly. Porn sites get more visits each month than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined. And that particular stat really blew my mind because those sites get so much traffic. That's a lot of visits. And the stats involving young people are especially alarming. The first exposure to pornography among males is generally around 12 years old. I read an article that said the University of Montreal was seeking men in their 20s who had never been exposed to pornography to do some research, and they couldn't find any. And it's hard to imagine the damaging effects of pornography on a young and malleable mind. And it's everywhere. It's easily accessible, and it has a very strong draw, especially for men. And as a man, there are things you can put in place to help avoid things like that. But ultimately, whether or not you succumb to that temptation is going to have a lot to do with you practicing the discipline of purity. And we're going to look at two different passages from the Bible today, the story of David and Bathsheba, and also a passage from the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 to 8. So first, let's read from 2 Samuel 11, verses 1 through 5. And it says, In the spring of the year, the time when the kings go out to battle, David sent out Joab and his officers, all of Israel with him. They brought to ruin the Ammonites and besieged Reba, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, when David arose from his bed and was walking on the roof of the king's house, from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. So David sent someone to inquire about the woman, and it was asked, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. When she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. Verse 5 says, The woman conceived, so she sent a message and reported to David, I am pregnant. Now, David and Bathsheba is a familiar story for many. Most people have heard of them in some form or fashion. And sometimes I think about David and wonder how he might feel knowing that his sexual sin has been recorded for so many people to review and critique over the millennia. And that was definitely an unexpected consequence for David. In this story, David's often critiqued in a negative way for sending his army to war and staying behind. And generally, the thought is he would have avoided this trouble had he not been there. If he'd gone to war with his men, he wouldn't have had this problem. And and yeah, that may be true, but that's not as important as the decision he made in the moment. You know, if David had not been there to see this beautiful woman bathing from his rooftop, another temptation would have been along shortly. And the point is, what happened when he chose not to practice the discipline of purity in the moment. Discipline is sacrificing right now so as to bring benefit to yourself and others later. In this case, David did not do that. And one of the keys to disciplining yourself now 
is owning your sexuality as a man. Men in general have a, a strong desire for sex. Every man knows that. It's not news. But we should recognize that and we should own it. Recognize that desire is a good God-given desire. That desire is not wrong. It's not bad. It's not evil. I don't care what the world tells you. It's, it's okay to have that strong desire for sex. Don't be ashamed of it. It's a good God-given desire. But sin is a good God-given desire exercised outside of God's intended context. So that strong desire that is good and given by God must be exercised within God's boundaries, God's intended context. Otherwise, it becomes sinful. And that context is between a man and a woman who have committed themselves to honor the marriage covenant. And this may sound overly simple, but in your life, what makes the difference between exercising a good God-given desire and in the right context or in the wrong context is discipline in the moment, discipline now, sacrificing right now for the benefit of yourself and others later. And as a man, mostly for the benefit of others. And I'm sure that David was normally a disciplined guy, but today he wanders out onto his roof. It's a nice evening. It's comfortable. The temperature's great. And he sees a beautiful woman taking a bath. And he he's a man. He has a strong desire for sex, and he lingers there. And that's the problem. The lingering will destroy you. The Bible says she's beautiful. The awareness of something like that can kick up pretty fast. And if you linger and lack discipline, it will beat you up. And the longer you linger, the more difficult it becomes to discipline yourself. And you can't help what you happen to stumble across and initially see. You know, David wanders out onto his roof. He sees a woman bathing. Oops. You know, it's it's not your fault if an email makes it through your spam filter or an advertisement pops up in your newsfeed. But David wanders out on this roof and he sees a beautiful woman taking a bath. That's kind of like you or me receiving some spam email or a link for an advertisement on a web page. It just shows up and there it is. And there are things you can do to minimize that happening. But the reality is, is those things aren't going away. I don't think there's any way to get rid of that kind of stuff completely. And you need to recognize that and you need to own who you are and take responsibility for yourself. Bathsheba is taking a bath. You know, we can't blame it on her. David Caesar. And whether he disciplines himself now or he lingers determines what happens next. And we know because we've read that he chooses to linger. Now, when you're in that moment of decision, what you do in that moment will bring about consequence you don't expect. In a situation like that, there's no reasoning this out. It's not a debate with yourself. It's not maybe I'll just hang out a little bit and think about it, or maybe I'll delete that email a little later. No, discipline now. When sexual desire is well-disciplined and it's exercised within God's intended context and you take responsibility for yourself and you exercise that desire within God's intended context, a marriage between a man and a woman, it's a good thing, maybe even one of the very best things. And one of the biggest problems with pornography is that it's quick, it's accessible, it's easy to hide, and it kind of seems harmless. It seems like, oh, there would be any consequences for this. 
and there's nothing you keeping you from it except you. But when you relax your moral standards and you consume pornography, then enters the law of unintended consequences. There will be consequences for your decisions that you can't possibly predict. Things will not go the way you think they will. You can't predict the outcome of what seems to be a a relatively harmless decision. Matter of fact, you're probably not even thinking about consequences. When David was lingering on the roof, he did not predict millions of people would be talking about and reading the story of his sexual sin with Bathsheba for thousands of years, millions of people hearing about it for thousands of years. There's no way he could have known that. That thought wouldn't even have crossed his mind. Law of unintended consequences. Some of you may be old enough to remember a time before plastic bags. And when you went to the grocery store, your groceries were put in paper bags. We used to make school book covers out of them when I was a kid and stuff like that. We did all kinds of things with them. But people were concerned with the amount of paper that was being used to make all of these paper grocery bags. And people were worried about cutting down so many trees to make grocery bags. And people decided we need to do something about all of this paper being used and make sure we are taking care of the environment. Then along comes the savior of the environment, plastic bags. And They were supposed to save paper and therefore the trees and ultimately the environment. Now, today, people no longer view plastic bags as helpful for the environment. And that is a great example of the law of unintended consequences. And, you know, don't let your mind get hung up on the environmental issues. That's not the point. It's an illustration of unintended consequences. The decision you make today will have consequences in the future. And for The most part, we don't have a clue, an inkling of what those consequences will be. But also, good consequences are possible. Remember what Paul said in our passage last week. He said, exercise yourself in the ways of godliness because it is profitable for all things, for this life and the life to come. In that statement, it's it's, uh, easy to miss that really essentially Paul has given us a life hack to avoid negative unintended consequences. When we discipline ourselves and exercise ourselves in the ways of godliness, we are guaranteed the best possible consequences for ourselves and the people around us. And that's why it's imperative that we discipline ourselves, that we practice the discipline of purity. Discipline will build the best future possible. David did not practice the discipline of purity in our passage. He hung out on the roof and lingered. Then he inquired about this woman. He had sex with her. He exercised a good God-given desire outside of God's intended context. And what became of that was a big pile of unintended consequences. He didn't intend for bad things to happen. Who, Who would? And I would be surprised if he even thought about it. But Bathsheba, she sends David a message and said, guess what? I'm having a baby and it's yours. And then ultimately that baby died. His sons saw their father's immorality. So why would they act morally? His daughter Tamar was raped by her half-brother Amnon. Amnon was murdered by Tamar's brother Absalom. Uh, Absalom rebelled against 
his father, King David. And you know who was behind that, encouraging Absalom down the road of that rebelling against his father, David? It was Ahithophel, who just happened to be Bathsheba's grandfather. And after that happened, David's rule as king never really recovered from that. And that was all a consequence of, of lingering on the roof, not discipline now, disciplining himself in the moment. Just turning around and getting off the roof, you know, not reasoning things out, not even thinking about it. All he needed to know was I shouldn't be here. And then acting on that thought, discipline now. In the world today, what are some unintended consequences we might deal with as a result of porn? Because I don't even think we're beginning to see the consequences we're going to have to deal with in the future. Um, we're starting to see a few. We can speculate. We can see some of the consequences that people are already living with, and we're still learning what those consequences are and will be for some time. But one of the unintended consequences of porn consumption is that it devalues women and it devalues sex to the point of nothing more than a cheap, quick commodity. Women and sex become just a product to be selfishly and carelessly consumed. Quick, cheap, easy, beyond cheap, free. Use it and throw it away. Now, as a man, God expects you to put such a high value on your wife that you are willing to sacrifice yourself for her. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, you do that in a practical way, every time you choose to practice the discipline of purity. You do that every time you choose your wife over an internet search or some you know, fake thing on a screen. The physical part of the marriage covenant is a gift from God that is very sacred and very special. And the Bible teaches us that if you're not man enough to be willing to choose to sacrifice yourself, and give up your life to love and protect one woman, that's not for you. And women should treat it that way too. And I suppose if men loved their wives and acted like that, there'd be a lot less struggle with gender roles and things like that. But David was God's chosen man to rule the nation of Israel, but he chose not to rule himself. And if you don't rule yourself, your desires will rule you. And someone's probably thinking or listening and thinking, but it's really hard. I just don't think I can do it. You know, why, why did God give me this desire if I can't handle it? You know, why did God let all this stuff into my email? Or why did these links show up on my webpage? Or, you know, I had a terrible childhood and it leads me to do this today. And, you know, maybe some of that stuff is true, but I've done a lot of counseling and counseling is pointless and useless unless someone is willing to discipline themselves. There are many things that can help, but in the end, it all comes down to you being willing to take responsibility, shoulder your load, discipline yourself now, and grind it out. Think about Cain and Abel. Cain is struggling with doing the right thing, and he has a bad attitude. You know, why is life so hard for me? He's kind of like somebody who's, who's saying things like that. You know, life's really hard. I just don't think I can do it. You know, I can't handle this. You know, my life is terrible. Uh all those things. That's, that's kind of the guy Cain is. And he's struggling with doing the right thing. And he has a bad attitude. And God says to Cain in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, he says, If you do well, shall you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. 
It desires to dominate you, but you must rule over it. You must rule over it. God didn't give you a very good and strong desire and leave you helpless without the ability to discipline yourself and rule over that desire. And if Cain didn't have the ability to rule over sin, God wouldn't have told him to do it. God didn't leave Cain helpless. Cain was just unwilling to discipline himself. And God didn't leave you helpless either. Now, if you're a man, God has created you to be disciplined in the presence of danger. And porn is dangerous. It will dominate you and destroy you and then destroy those around you with unintended consequences. God has not left you helpless. You have the ability to discipline your desires. You have the ability to rule over them. You can handle it if you are willing to discipline yourself now. Of course, it's not easy. Of course, you have to grind it out. But rule yourself or something else will rule you. Now, that's another unintended consequence of porn. It waters you down as a man. Porn dilutes a man into an impotent slave. I was, oh gosh, I can't remember where I read it now, but I was reading something about, it was some 19-year-old kid, and he had consumed so much pornography that when he was with a real live woman, he couldn't function. He was completely impotent. And that's hard to believe. But it it makes you impotent and moody and weak. It wastes who you are. It turns you into a lying covenant breaker. And one of the things that makes a man potent and someone worth looking up to is when he has nothing to hide and nothing to be afraid of. He can't be bought. He can't be threatened. There's nothing to blackmail him with or discredit him with. That's the kind of thing that that, that demands respect is that kind of a man. But rule over your desires. Don't let them dominate you. David was ruler in Israel, but he didn't rule himself. And everything went downhill from there. And as a man, the more you allow evil things to creep into your life, the more you relax personal discipline, the more impotent you become, the more of a slave you become. And if you're struggling with pornography, you know what I'm talking about. You forget who you are who you serve, what you're about. You become riddled with guilt. You become riddled with shame. And porn porn is definitely a contributor to poor mental health in men. And then that spills over and affects the people around you. It affects your family. And it uh, eventually affects culture as a whole. Discipline equates to freedom. When you're tempted by that link, that email, that photo on Instagram that wants to lead your mind away, sin is crouching at the door and it desires to dominate and control you and enslave you. It wants to trap you, to make you live in fear and guilt and shame and anxiety and depression, but discipline equals freedom. Stay sharp. Protect your eyes, your heart, your mind. Don't privately and quietly relax your morals. Don't dwell where you know you shouldn't. Don't linger there. Set up rules for yourself. Set up boundaries for yourself. Take charge of yourself. We've all seen a lion stalk its prey, and it stalks slowly. It crouches one step at a time. 
And that's what sin does every time you relax your moral boundaries. It stalks you slowly, crouching one step at a time. And you either dominate it or it will dominate you. Discipline yourself right now in the moment. That's what it takes to rule over it and grind that out right now in the moment. I'm going to discipline myself and do whatever it takes to get away from sin and get it out of my life. Practice the discipline of purity. Imagine if a man who had a problem with pornography had the courage to toss his laptop in the lake because for him, that laptop is like David lingering on the roof. And men would say, well, I could never do that. Well, do you want to stop being an impotent slave or not? Discipline yourself now. One more moment, one more step. Ultimately, you have to take responsibility, shoulder your load, and grind it out. You know, maybe you did have a difficult past. A lot of people did, but don't adopt a victim mentality. That's not helpful. It's not going to benefit you. Discipline yourself now. One more minute, one more hour, one more day. And it's like anything else that you exercise, it's going to get stronger. And the more you discipline yourself, the more disciplined you will become and the easier it will get. The hardest part is right there in that moment, disciplining yourself right now. We're going to finish up by reading a scripture passage and then leave you with a challenge. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 8. This is what it says. It says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification, in honor, not in the lust of depravity, even as the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man take advantage of and defraud his brother in any matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all these things. And we also have forewarned you and testified, for God has not called us to uncleanness, but to holiness. Therefore, he that despises does not despise man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to go back and read that again. Write it down, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 8. And read that, and now answer that. Yes, I will do that, or no, I won't. Yes, I will do that, or no, I won't. It's your decision. Tell the truth. And I hope you'll make a wise one. Nobody can do that but you. Discipline yourself now. Now, I hope you have found this helpful. And if you had, share it with someone. Until next time, be courageous and live well.